Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. Hello, hello, my friends. All right, today's podcast is going to take a slightly different flavor. Um, I want to break down what is actually a very complex topic and make it super easy for you to understand. So we're going to talk about regulation of energy balance and appetite in the human body and how this relates to weight gain and loss. There are many people who continue to believe that obesity is simply a matter of calories in, calories out. That people with obesity just have a willpower issue and it's some sort of character flaw, whatever it is. These people are wrong. Because obesity is far more complex than a math equation. Obesity has been designated as a complex chronic medical condition by health bodies all over the world, including the Canadian Medical Association. Our weight is greatly affected by a number of things, including our genetics, right? So there are literally hundreds of genes involved in weight regulation and appetite. And our our body weight is also influenced by psychology, our food environment, our behaviors, other medical conditions, other medications that one may be taking. So it's all of these things coming together to cause a disruption in weight regulation that causes weight gain and difficulty with weight, weight loss. So to oversimplify it and just say, hey, control yourself, like just follow this diet and count your calories and hit the gym is missing the mark. And quite frankly, this is what creates weight bias and stigma. When we believe that obesity is caused by poor character and willpower, we blame people with obesity for their weight. This is reflected in negative attitudes and judgment and and mistreatment of people who are dealing with a real medical condition rooted in physiology. If you pay attention, you'll start noticing this. So when you look at um, our media, you'll see that bias is perpetuated in the media. Because if you like are listening to a news story about obesity, what you'll see is images of people that are headless. Often their clothes don't fit them very well. They're usually eating. They're usually eating junk food. Um, and this furthers that negative you know, narrative that uh, people with elevated weight have something wrong with them and they just make bad choices. Now, whenever I share this message that obesity is a complex medical condition, that it's not a simple matter of calories in, calories out, and there's physiology involved, it draws out the haters. That is okay. I know there's going to be people who are like, like, no, these people just need to eat better and control themselves. I get that all the time. Um, But here's the thing. Lots of people have lots of opinions on obesity and weight loss and what is required for successful weight loss. I mean, literally every Instagram influencer and their neighbor is somehow an expert on weight loss, right? So that is fine. They do not know what they do not know. But if you're listening, what I want you to hear is that whether or not your body has a tendency to accumulate fat tissue or not, whether or not you have strong food cravings or fewer food cravings is all determined by hormones and physiology and not solely willpower. When I say that obesity is rooted uh, in genetics and it's a complex chronic medical condition, I am not saying that you can't do something about it. And neither am I saying that behaviors don't matter because they do. But blame and shame don't inspire people to positive health behaviors, right? So let's just drop the judgment and get to more helpful solutions. Amen. Are you with me? (laughs) All right. Thank you for coming to my soapbox. Now let's jump into hormones. I have women coming into my clinic all the time who tell me, 
doctor, it's got to be my thyroid. I just don't get it. I'm barely eating anything. I've exer- I, I'm exercising five times a week and it just doesn't make sense that I'm not losing weight. And my message to them is this. I hear you and I believe you. And you're absolutely right. It is hormones, but it's not your thyroid. I'm not saying it's never a thyroid issue, but when your TSH is like 2.5, I can confidently tell you that it's way more likely to be a number of other hormones affecting your weight than your thyroid hormone. It's just that the thyroid hormone happens to be the most popular one that people hear about and know about, and so they attribute a lot of their symptoms to that. Body weight is very tightly controlled within your brain in an area called your hypothalamus. Now, this is a very ancient part of your brain. It's subconscious, meaning you can't control it with your thoughts. And it's responsible for a lot of the automatic functioning in your body. So the hypothalamus's job is to keep things in balance. It balances energy in, energy out, your hunger or satiety, your body temperature, heart rate, blood pressure, all of these automatic things that have to happen. And it does this by receiving communication signals from other parts of your body so it knows what's going on. So your fat cells and your intestines or your gut talk to your hypothalamus through signals called hormones. For example, if you haven't eaten in a while, a hormone called ghrelin is released from your stomach and tells your hypothalamus to activate the hunger pathways so that you will go and get some food. And then once you've had a meal, a whole cascade of hormones, ones that are like funny names like GLP-1, CCK, PYY, GIP, they're released by your gut and they travel to your hypothalamus to tell it to activate the fullness neurons in your brain. And then there's hormones from your fat cells or adipocytes that are constantly communicating how much energy is stored in and on your body. One particular adipocyte hormone called leptin is released into the blood in direct proportion to your fat stores. So if you have a lot of fat on your body, your leptin is high. If you have a little fat on the body, the leptin is low. Now, when leptin is high, appetite is decreased because your brain is receiving the signal that there's ample energy on board, so you don't need to take in more energy in the form of food. Okay, now here's the test. If you're tracking with me, your next logical thought should be, okay, well, then people with a lot of fat cells should have less appetite. And you would be right. That would make a whole lot of sense. That's exactly what we would expect, except it's not the case, right? Because it's not so simple. There are disruptions that happen in all of these pathways, and all of these pathways are like crossing and converging and intersecting, and it's not just one thing. And research has now demonstrated that there may be a condition called leptin resistance, which is where the body is not responding appropriately to the leptin signaling. And all of these pathways that I just mentioned can have disruptions. There can be abnormal ghrelin levels and abnormal GLP-1 levels in people who have elevated adiposity or obesity. Not only that, but we also have another part of our brain dictating our eating behavior. So we have the hypothalamus trying to keep things in balance. That's the part of our brain responsible for uh, intake for the purpose of nourishment, right? Just basic Uh, caloric needs balancing in the hypothalamus. But then we all know that we eat for reasons other than nutritional purposes, right? We eat because it's fun. We eat because it feels good. We eat because it tastes good. That's all controlled by the limbic system. So the mesolimbic pathways are what, that's what's called um, the reward pathways of the brain. That's where food gives us pleasure. 
And from an evolutionary viewpoint, it was really important for food to give us pleasure to ensure that we continued to seek it out and we continued to eat it so that we survived as a species. Now, whole foods, regular, like real food, gives us an appropriate amount of dopamine release and an appropriate amount of pleasure. That means we get an appropriate amount of desire for those foods. Again, but what happens now is that we have this ancient brain meeting our current food environment, and this is where we run into trouble. Because our food environment now is highly engineered for hyper-palatable foods that give us far too much dopamine and far too much pleasure. So way too much reward in response to eating these foods. And so what happens is that we now eat far beyond our nutritional needs. We eat beyond our hypothalamic signaling and what is actually required. This, the formal term for this type of eating is called hedonic eating or eating for pleasure. When food is hyper-processed, hyper-palatable, and full of sugar, we get over-desire within our reward brain. And when we have over-desire, we have overeating. So let's summarize what we've covered so far. We have the hypothalamus trying to keep everything in balance, but then there's disruptions within those pathways that happen. And it's trying to balance energy in, energy out, receiving hormonal signals from our gut and our fat cells. And then we have our reward brain giving us pleasure in response to food, but being hijacked by our obesogenic environment and giving us over-desire producing overeating. So we eat in excess of our needs. Now, I think that this is where the calories in, calories out hypothesis comes from. Because yes, overeating beyond our needs due to hedonic drive causes an excess intake of calories, which leads to weight gain. But conversely, it's not so simple as just eating fewer calories. So let me introduce another important hormone, and that is insulin. Insulin is a hormone secreted by your pancreas that causes your muscle cells and your liver to suck up the glucose to be used as fuel. The problem is, is that the average Canadian is fairly sedentary, so we don't actually need that much fuel for our muscle cells. And the second problem is that our standard American diet that most Canadians eat is highly processed and full of refined carbohydrates and sugars. And that puts a lot of strain on our pancreas to be constantly pumping out insulin. And we end up with chronically elevated insulin levels called hyperinsulinemia. And over time, because your, your cells are constantly getting this high insulin signaling, they just stop listening. They're like not wanting to listen to that insulin signal. And that is when you develop a state called insulin resistance. Now, hyperinsulinemia has a number of detrimental effects on the body. For example, it contributes to hypertension because your kidneys, uh, it causes your kidneys to hold on to sodium. And that, you know, hypertension in turn can contribute to dementia and cardiovascular disease. And insulin is also a fat storage hormone. So it tells your fat cells to take up any extra glucose floating around in your bloodstream from lack of use and store it away. And then it locks up those fat stores to prevent your body from accessing them for energy. So when you have chronically elevated levels of insulin, it prevents you from using fat as a fuel source. And as you can imagine, that makes weight loss very difficult. So now let's look at what happens when you try to lose weight. When you cut calories and you start losing fat mass, your brain senses a drop in leptin. This drop in leptin sends off alarm signaling within your brain. Your brain sees a drop in leptin as, oh my gosh, 
This person is dying of starvation. There must be a famine in the land. What on earth is happening? This could be very, very bad. And it responds by increasing hunger signals, decreasing fullness signals, increasing desire for food, and slowing down the energy-burning mechanism of the body, i.e. your metabolic rate, in a self-protective way to prevent you from dying of starvation. Now, remember, if your insulin is high while you're doing this, while this is happening, then your body can't tap into your fat cells for fuel. So it's not getting fuel from your diet because you're not eating enough, and it's not getting fuel from your fat cells because it can't. They're locked up. So what's it going to do? Well, your body's just going to burn less fuel. It's going to become really, really energy efficient so that that means your metabolic rate slows down. And so with all these hormonal changes that are happening, you find yourself hungrier, you find yourself thinking about food more, noticing your food cravings more, and all of this drives you to throw away your diet and just go eat all the foods again. And that's why weight regain is so common. Your brain is literally driving you to try to replete your leptin levels so you do not die. So there we are. We have hormones talking to your hypothalamus, we have insulin resistance playing a role, and then we have dopamine and other neurochemicals in your limbic system driving cravings and desire for food. And then we have some hashtag fit chick on Instagram telling you to just count your calories and work out like she does for just 20 minutes a day, and you'll have a six-pack too. Right. (laughs) So the logical next question is, what are you supposed to do? Before I answer that question, I want to introduce you to the third part of your brain that is involved in regulating weight and eating behaviors, and that is your prefrontal cortex. This is your conscious brain, the executive brain, the part of your brain that's able to say, okay, I know I'm craving Reese's Pieces right now, but I really should eat my supper instead. The prefrontal cortex is the only thing standing between your reward drive for hyperpalatable food and the dessert table at the buffet. It's important to understand that anything that negatively affects this part of the brain, for example, a neurocognitive disorder like ADHD, for example, is going to affect your ability to make healthy food choices. So I'm going to go along with this example. ADHD is associated with impulsivity, and we often see people with ADHD or ADHD-type tendencies to have compulsive eating behaviors and binge eating. Now, that's not because they don't have willpower. That's because their executive brain is not functioning properly. In fact, I've talked to you about the executive brain before and how this part of the brain is half asleep most of the time. When you're stressed and it's been a long day and you're tired, this part of your brain is essentially shut off. So there's very little resistance when your reward brain pipes up and suggests that ice cream is a good idea. So the only thing inhibiting that strong reward drive for hyperpalatable food is your conscious brain. If that's the case, then you want to do everything you can to keep it conscious. That means If you don't want to overeat, you need to watch your alcohol and your cannabis intake, right? Because they're going to dull your conscious brain and make it way harder to make good food choices. You're going to want to optimize your sleep habits so you aren't overtired and find a way to manage your stress, right? All of these are modulators that can decrease that awareness of your executive brain to be able to be like, okay, hold on, let me make a different choice. You're also going to want to strengthen that cognitive brain by training it. And this is the part of the brain that's so prone to the negative self-talk, the permission thinking, the mindset of, oh, screw it, I messed up anyway, might as well keep eating and the diet starts on Monday. And that is why I emphasize the importance of mindset and thought work. 
There are great studies looking at the benefits of cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy and weight loss, demonstrating greater weight loss at the end of a year and longer-term successful weight loss in people who learn these cognitive skills. And there's also a really interesting study um, published by researchers from Montreal in the journal Cell Metabolism in 2019 showing that activation of the prefrontal cortex in the self-control regions is associated with better long-term, um, sorry, better weight loss and maintenance, i.e., if you learn to manage your conscious mind, you'll lose more weight and you'll keep it off in the long term. I love when science supports what I teach and advocate for. <laughs> it's so good, right? So mind management, learning to strengthen your cognitive functioning is going to help you with weight loss. Now, weight regulation, as you have seen, hopefully, as you understand now, is very complex. It's controlled by many intersecting and converging pathways. It's genetics and hormones and physiology and psychology and environment and behaviors all coming together to cause you to put on adipose tissue or not. Now your genes set you up with a certain risk, but risk is not certainty. I heard a great quote last week, genes aren't your destiny, but they do decide what the standard American diet will do to you. So your genes dictate just how excited your brain gets in response to hyperpalatable foods. And some people's brains get super excited, right? Lots of reward activation, sometimes leading to addictive behaviors toward processed food. They're the ones who eat one slice of cake and they can't stop until they've had five more slices. And then there's other people who don't have as much reward drive because their genetics are just different. And they eat one slice of cake at the birthday party and then they walk away from the food table and they keep mingling with other guests and they don't think about it anymore, right? So someone who's got a lot of food, like reward drive is looking at that person and being like, why can't I do that? What is wrong with me? So when you don't understand what's happening, the physiology under the surface, you know, people will often feel like, what is wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to learn to work with your physiology and what's happening in your brain. That's also why I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all dietary paradigm. There is not one diet or way of eating that makes sense for everyone. Now, do I think that most people need to reduce their intake of ref refined carbohydrates and sugars? 100% yes. But depending on your genetic risk and your metabolic status, your tolerance for things like refined carbohydrates and sugars is going to be different than other people. Now, in my clinic, our dietitians collaborate with clients to figure out what eating plan makes the most sense for their hormones and their lifestyle. And in comparison to the standard American diet, you'd probably call our eating plan low carb. But honestly, I think it's just normal eating. It's eating real food. It's whole foods that are minimally processed. It's reducing sugars. It really can be as simple as that. So if you're, if you're like, I need to know where to start with my eating, just do that. Minimize flour and sugar. Start there. Now, the more complicated piece is not necessarily knowing what to eat. And I've said this before, but it's actually implementing it. It's strengthening that self-control within the prefrontal cortex when you're tired and stressed and frustrated and disappointed and angry, or you're celebrating, right? Whatever it is, that is the trickier part. The gap between knowledge and implementation is where most people struggle. And that's what our team is so good at helping with. It's digging down and uncovering the root of what is derailing you. Now, before I close, one thing I want to highlight is because some people might walk away thinking, well, then you're just saying like, you just need to have more willpower. This is willpower. Willpower is crossing your fingers and just hoping that in the moment of impulse, you're going to be strong enough to not eat whatever it is. That's willpower. 
that is exhausting. It doesn't work long term. So when I'm talking about the cognitive strategies, I'm talking about actually learning how to manage your mind, actually learning to set yourself up for success with behavioral skills and tools so that you aren't relying on willpower. That's the last thing you want to do. Crossing your fingers and hoping for the best is destined to fail. So you don't want to be relying on willpower. You want to learn the effective behavioral skills and tools. You want to do the thought work or the cognitive mind management so that you can uh, lose weight and maintain it over time and be able to overcome all of that drive coming from your reward brain pushing you to eat the hyper palatable foods. All right. I hope that was helpful. I hope that made sense for you. Listen up. If you are struggling to lose weight, if you have lost weight a hundred times and regained it and you're feeling hopeless, if you need help managing your mind and all the negative self-talk around your body or around your weight or around the scale, we would love to support you. www.highmetaboliclinic.com. Come check us out. We want to see you thriving beyond the scale and thriving in your life. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.